Differing Things is a podcast which focuses on how far religion and society have deviated from the Bible. Differing Things will cover many topics, both spiritual and current, to draw our listeners closer to their creator. Now for today's host, Dr. Bill Petrie. For a few moments, I would like to intentionally shift our Thanksgiving focus away from friends and family, health, jobs, and peace, and away from those patriotic urges to make Thanksgiving all about America. And instead, I would like to concern you, my listeners, and myself with distinctly Christian Thanksgiving. Seven times in the short epistle to the Colossians, Paul encourages believers to give thanks to God the Father. He does so at least once in each chapter. Each reference is similar, and yet each one teaches a unique lesson regarding Christian thanksgiving. As it turns out, thanksgiving is a major theme of this epistle, and I would argue that nowhere else in Paul's writings do we see such an emphasis. So why here? Colossians has two major themes. The first theme is the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The problem is the devaluing of Christ. Paul's one solution is that Christ be exalted to first place in everything. The open Bible says Colossians is perhaps the most Christ-centered book in the entire Bible, end of quote. A.T. Robertson called Colossians, and I'm quoting, Paul's full-length portrait of Christ, end of quote. Christ is supreme overall as Lord and is all the Levitical sacrifices. Thus, he becomes the Savior for all of humanity. I think it is important for us to see where failure to be thankful has led humanity. In the Universal Version Bible, we read in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, the following. Since when they knew God, they did not with gratitude glorify him as God, but their reasoning became idolatrous, and their minds, full of judgment, were involved in darkness. Alleging themselves to be wise, they were fooled and exchanged the glory of the imperishable God with the likeness of an image of perishable man and birds and quadrupeds and reptiles. For that reason, God gives them over in the lusts of their hearts to the uncleanness of dishonoring their bodies among themselves. For that they exchanged the truth of God into a falsehood, and did honor and serve the creature rather than the creator, who was blessed to the eons. Amen. For this reason, 
God gave them up to degrading passions as their females exchanged their natural sexual function for one that is contrary to nature. In the same way, their males also abandoned their natural sexual function toward females inflamed with lust toward one another. Males committed deviant acts with males and received within themselves the appropriate penalty for their perversion. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to act unworthy of human nature. Now, it's interesting. I didn't read verse 20, and I will talk about verse 20 in a second. It's interesting here, though, that we see that when humanity knew God, they did not with gratitude glorify him as God. And everything flows from that idea. Now, verse 20 states, For since the creation of a world, his, meaning God's, invisible attributes, his timeless power and deity have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. If we follow this line of reasoning that Paul lays out here in Romans chapter 1, going from, say, verse 18 all the way down through the end of the chapter, the accusation that Paul is making is that Adam's original sin was ingratitude or unthankfulness. Adam did not with gratitude glorify God. <clears throat> Instead, he became idolatrous. He became void of judgment. He alleged himself to be wise, but became foolish. It's interesting in verse 20, it talks about for since the creation of the world. The idea is from the beginning of that creation, mankind has seen. And the only time when all of mankind knew God was in the garden. Man became foolish because of ingratitude. Man introduced sin into humanity because of ingratitude. This is an important issue. Ingratitude or unthankfulness creates all kinds of problems. And none of those problems ever had to occur had Adam just been thankful. I think it is really important for us to keep this in mind when we approach the book of Colossians. I talked about the first major theme of the book of Colossians being the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The second major theme is thanksgiving. Why are we to be saturated with thanksgiving? The epistle tells us, because in Christ, 
we are reconciled to God because Christ is in us, even as Gentiles. And this is our expectation of glory because we are rooted, grounded, taught, and being built up in him. Because in him, all the fullness or the completeness of deity dwells in bodily form. And we have been made complete in him. Because in him, we are spiritually circumcised, buried, and raised up to a new life of resurrection power. Because we have died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Because Christ is our life and will come again. Thanksgiving is the number two theme because of the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ being the number one theme, and the two go hand in hand. When we realize the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ, the only thing left is thankfulness and praise and rejoicing. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we read, we, give, we always give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the holy ones. Now notice, when did Paul start giving thanks for these particular Christians, when he heard they had believed. Interesting. We should thank God. We should praise God. And, and we should acknowledge God for our very faith in Christ in love that we have for each other. For God, for God is the power behind every conversion. There is no salvation without God. In fact, we should be praising him nonstop. He does not thank them for believing. He thanks God as we can no more take credit for, for our salvation than we can for the Savior upon whom our faith rests. He thanks God for the other believers who are in Christ with him. How often do we fail to thank our Savior for all the other believers who have impacted our life. We need to do this continually. I think in my own life, of all the wonderful saints that I have had the privilege of meeting and being ministered to through their love and devotion to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I think of such wonderful people as Rick Schmidt, or John Ewan, or Ted McDivitt, or Rick Farwell, or Philip Scranton, or Dan Kramer, 
or Dan Haley. And many, many, many more where I could spend hours going through a podcast just naming names. We need to give thanks for other saints. And most importantly, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All begins with him. And there's nothing without him. In the same chapter of Colossians, chapter 1, if we go down to verse 12, reading verses 12 through 14, giving thanks to the Father, who has made us fit for share of the inheritance of the holies in light, who has rescued us out of the authority of the darkness and transferred us into the government of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption, the emancipation from sins. We should thank God for our rescue from satanic darkness and oppression. Unbelievers unknowingly serve the prince of darkness and are ruled by him. He is a terrible master. But through the work of Jesus Christ, the Father has rescued believers from the grip and tyranny of the enemy to strong, clever, and deceptive for us. But he was no match for God. Satan reminds me of a pit bull the strongest dog around, and especially those vice-grip jaws. I picture salvation as the moment when the father comes into his backyard, so to speak, and finds one of his children in the jaws of Satan. He does not turn and run in fear. He does not vainly shout, free yourself! Come on now, you can do it! No. He marches in, picks the dog up by the neck, if you can picture the imagery, picks that dog up by the neck, and with a powerful right fist, breaks its jaw, setting the captive free. Our salvation is threefold. We're saved from God's wrath, from the power of sin and from the reign and rule of Satan. Here's a weighty quote. I'm not sure who, who it comes from, but I read it somewhere, um, and it was from an old essay. Uh, I, I remember the name of the old essay. It was on Christ, our substitute and conqueror. And the quote goes like this. A comprehensively biblical exposition of the work of Christ recognizes that the atonement which terminates on God in propitiation and on man in forgiveness also terminates on Satan in the destruction of his sway over believers. And it does the last precisely because it does the first two. End of quote. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse number 7, 
Paul says we should be overflowing with gratitude. Let me read the verse. Rooted and built up in him, and firm in the faith, as you have been taught, superabounding in it with thanksgiving. Superabounding in it with thanksgiving. This is a basic Christian virtue to be cultivated as part of our walk with Christ. Before Christ, we were whiners, complainers, and grumblers. Can't you just imagine how we used to be? Oh, why does this have to happen to me? Oh, woe is me. And over and over we would go complaining and nagging and never ever being happy with the circumstances in our lives. We were whiners. We were complainers and grumblers. But after receiving Christ Jesus the Lord, we should spill over with gratitude, not grumpiness. See if you can go all day without complaining or grumbling about anything or anybody. Singing with melody in your hearts, praising God for what he has accomplished for you. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, we read the next three references to thanksgiving. And I'd like to read those, those few short verses. It says here in verse 15, down through 17, Also let the peace of Christ be supreme within your hearts. That is why you have been summoned as members of the one body, and you must be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and exhorting yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in your hearts. The favor or grace is singing to Yahweh or the Lord. And whatever you do, whether by speech or action, do everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. <clears throat> Paul exhorts us to be thankful for one another in the body of Christ, to worship and sing to God with thankfulness in our hearts, and to give thanks through Christ, no matter what we do or say. In fact, it's a command. Follow here what Paul said. And I think, I think it's important for us to understand the magnitude of what he's saying here. The very last sentence in verse 15 of chapter 3, and you must be thankful. Paul is saying that we have a command to be thankful. I want you to stop and think for a second. Have you ever seen an unthankful person who is happy? 
Here's the flip side. Have you ever seen a thankful person who was unhappy? It's not coincidental. Unthankful people are always unhappy because there's nothing that can give them joy. They're not thankful for things. But a person who is thankful will always be happy for the things that they're thankful for. It's simple. Lessons abound. First, thankfulness grows through real fellowship. We must be engaged with each other deeply. So when God's sanctifying grace moves, we are there to see it and to thank God for it. We need to get involved in the lives of fellow believers. And the only way we can do that is by fellowshipping with one another, to create an intimacy with one another so that we can truly minister with one another. How can I minister to you if I do not know what your needs are? And how can you minister to me if you do not know what my needs are? There needs to be this intimate fellowship with one another. And that fellowship grows into a great thankfulness for each other. I remember numerous times in my life that through the fellowship of other believers, needs were taken care of and they were things I never even voiced. But there was such an intimate relationship where we knew each other that they could tell what the needs were without those needs even being voiced. This is the relationship that the body of Christ has to have with each other. Thankfulness grows through real fellowship. The next thing that Paul said here is, we are to sing with thanksgiving in our hearts. Music has a powerful impact on an individual's soul. Music moves us. Music teach, touches us in a deep, intimate way. And the type of music you put into yourself is the type of person that you're going to be outwardly. If you listen to music that espouses violence and hatred and, and promiscuity and all those sorts of things, guess what kind of person you most likely are going to be? But if you're an individual who goes through the book of Psalms and sings to yourself those Psalms or sings to yourself the hymns, imagine, doesn't a word like how great thou art just evoke a desire to praise God? Or think of the magnitude of how a song like Amazing Grace has ministered to millions 
and millions of believers. How they've created tranquility in the storm of brokenness. Yes, we are to sing with thanksgiving in our hearts. And third, only Christian thanksgiving is truly accepted by God because only ours comes through the mediator, Jesus Christ, who alone makes both the worshiper and his offering acceptable. The seventh reference is found in Colossians chapter 4 in verse 2. Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Ever notice how gratitude keeps us humble and humility leads to prayer? Gratitude is like smelling salt to an unconscious prayer life. It brings us to our senses. Gratitude gets us in the proper frame of mind to be wide awake and alert in prayer to the one over us and for us. Gratitude is to prayer what coffee is to your mind each morning. It lifts the fog and it drives away the grumpiness. Prayer, being able to voice everything to our Lord and Savior, to have that communication with him in such a intimate way that you can come out of that totally refreshed, knowing that you have left your cares with God. Yes, the book of Colossians lays out that sevenfold thanksgiving, interwoven throughout a short epistle, focused on the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ for all our needs. Coincidence? I think not. Christ must be at the heart of all true thanksgiving. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast.